Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 40 of the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. I don't have to say it, but I will. I am your host, Flight Attendant Joe. When I say the number 40, I'm excited that I've had 40 incredible conversations with amazing human beings, but then I also think, God, I wish I was 40 again. Not even 35, not even 37 and a half. What I wouldn't do to rewind seven and a half years to be 40 again. But this is not about me. <laughs> You're all thinking, um, yeah, we listen to your podcast. It's all about you. But no, today I have a very special guest. And I want to put your hands together for him because he has signed up to defend our incredible country. And he is the reason one of the reasons, maybe he's a small reason, but he is one of the reasons that I have the ability to have the freedom to tell dick jokes and not get arrested. So thank you and welcome my guest today, Cody, Captain Snoopy. We talked about what led him to join the army. His dad was in the military. Why am I giving these things away already? We also talked about how he went from being an air traffic controller in the army to signing up and training to fly helicopters, helicopters. There, there is so cool to think of flying helicopters in the army. I want to do it. But again, I'm not 40. I'm not 35. We also talked about what lessons the army has taught him. We talked transgender people in the military and the importance of ending don't ask, don't tell. We talked freedom of speech and taking a knee. We talked about honor culture and how some people just want to put 30 flags on their car because they think that's what being a patriot means, but I don't want to, I hate to tell you, it's really not, it's about who you are. We also talked about his plans for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, freedom is not free and it's people like Cody that allow us to live our lives. Welcome Cody to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Cody, to the show. Hey, Cody, how are you today? Good, Joe. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Can I tell you, I hope that this sound quality lasts through the whole conversation because it sounds like you're in the room with me. So this is fantastic. Awesome. I love it. Awesome. I love it. Yes. It's very stressful when the sound quality is kind of murky and I'm like, it sounds like we're doing this at like 10,000 feet underwater, but you sound fantastic. So welcome to the show. I'm very excited that you are Thank here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Have you done a podcast before? I have one time before. Oh, so I have not popped your podcast cherry. Is that what you're saying? Someone, no, you somebody were, else. You're not my first. Oh my you're, god! May I ask who whose podcast you were on? I was on Pilot the Pilot that, uh, with Justin Seams. Fucking Justin Seams is always stealing my guests, or maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm stealing his guests. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. 
I just was talking with Justin like five minutes ago. So that's so interesting that that's the podcast you're on. But please, Cody, can you tell everyone listening who you are and what you do for a living? Okay, I am Cody, and I am currently active duty in the Army, a helicopter pilot. I used to be air traffic controller. Uh, my hobbies is aviation. Uh, so I fly uh, airplanes and stuff on the side, and then um, I cook as well. And uh, that's pretty much my mediocre life. That, well, it's not mediocre. It sounds like there's so many incredible things going on there. Helicopter, military, cooking, and you were an air traffic controller? Yes. Uh, when I first joined the Army, I was an air traffic controller for about three years. And then I was tired of staring at helicopters and airplanes, so I decided to make the switch over. Now, were you an air traffic controller? So in the army, so not here in the states for like an airport, right? Correct. So I was an army air traffic controller, uh, not a FAA controller. Oh, so where can you say where you were stationed when you did that? Yes, I was in uh, North Carolina. Uh, they oh. did the training in Alabama, and then uh, my duty station was in North Carolina. Now, how long have you been in the military? Are you in? I'm sorry. Are you in the army? Yes, I am active duty army active and duty uh, army. Okay. Yeah, and uh, next month, or actually this month, uh, will be nine years. Nine years. So you're in, are you in for the 20 years and then retiring or just in for as long as you think you want to be in? Um, well, that decision is actually coming up in uh, 2022. Uh, so with a lot of the economy and the current situation in the army with the changing of how they're working, uh, some of the pilot issues, uh, it's going to be a tough decision for sure. Yeah, I can imagine because once you're a civilian, then you just have to like get a job, but you have so much experience so far that that probably wouldn't even be an issue when you come out. But I'm sure it's very comforting being in the military for that long. I'm sure it's part of your DNA now. Yes, it definitely is comforting. Not wondering if uh, I'm going to be furloughed or, any of the other variables that we've seen lately in the aviation industry. Um, so it definitely makes it a tough decision basing it off uh, stability of employment versus quality of life. Right now, let me ask you, so let's go back. Cause I'm, I had no clue. See, so yeah, there's so much I don't know about you that you started out um, as an air traffic controller in the army. So you did that for three years. You said, am I correct? Yeah. Now, when you're sitting there, did, had you had any experience flying helicopters at that time or no, you were just working air traffic control? No, at the time I didn't have any experience at helicopters. Uh, I just had my private pilot's license and airplanes, uh, okay. because I was, I was air traffic controller and then I was like, wow, flying's really cool. So I went out, did my private pilot's license and at 19 years old, that wasn't very cheap for me at the time. So I was a little frustrated with how much flying costs. So I just said, let someone else pay for it. And I applied oh. to fly. Okay. Because then once you're in the army and you're learning how to fly a helicopter, they're paying for it. Correct. Okay. Now, why did you choose helicopters? May I ask? Uh, so 
again, I was uh, around 19, 20 years old when I started to apply. Uh, I, I joined the Army right out of high school. So I didn't have a college degree. And I still believe it's true. The Army is the only branch of the military that will put you through flight school without a bachelor's degree. Oh, okay. So you can get yeah. right out of high school, join the army and start learning how to fly an airplane. Uh, so they do our, our flight training in helicopters, uh, but you, you can, oh, okay. uh, aircraft, aircraft selection. Uh, sometimes there are fixed wing, uh, aircraft in there like King airs, uh, along with the helicopter. So you definitely could join the army, uh, train in helicopters and then switch over to airplanes. Now, is that why you chose the army compared to other branches of the military? Or did you just always know you like, I want to join the army? So my father was in the army and he played a huge role in which a uh, branch of service that I, that I chose to join in. So your dad was in the army. So did you grow up, um, the term army brat, did you grow up in a, in a household where you guys moved around and he was in the army or did you stay in yes, one place? Yes. Okay. I, oh, wow. uh, I moved probably every two to three years, uh, my entire childhood. So, uh, just joining the military, joining the army, it just seems like that was all I knew. So it, it came pretty natural. Did you know, even when you were a teenager, you were like, I'm going to join the army that there's no question about it. I think so. Cause I look back and I remember even in elementary school, middle school, I would always ask my dad a question about his job and I always wanted to go to the office with him. So I think in the back of my head, I always knew what I was going to do. Did he, did, was there any, like, did he ever push you or kind of say like, I was in the army, you should be in the army or was it more of like, Oh, this is what I want to do because my dad's doing it and he's helping the country. Yeah, I think, I think it's the latter. He, uh, he never, he never pushed me one way or the other. Uh, my brother, he, he went to traditional college, uh, never went to the military, and he was very supportive of that. So with me, I just always gravitated uh, towards what he was doing. I always looked up to him. Um, so I guess the military was the easiest path, and uh, my dad just wanted to help me be successful in whatever path I chose, and he wasn't really trying to force me one way or the other, thankfully. Oh, well, that's good. I remember um, when I was finishing nursing school, it was like the last month, I think, or last two months, because before I was a flight attendant, I was a nurse for 12 years. And wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, I can remember we were like getting ready to graduate. We we're getting ready to take all our final tests, final exams. And um, the Army Reserves came in and they were like, this is the best opportunity. You can actually join the Army Reserves as like an officer. Like, yeah. you will step in and already there will people be below you. And I was like, I love it when people are below me. No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help myself, Cody. That's the type of podcaster I am. But I was like, this sounds exciting. So I was like, I'm going to sign up. I was 35. And I was like, I'm going to sign up. They're like, yeah, it's like, I think it was like two month, two weeks out of the year. Uh, you know, it was like every week, once weekend a month, and then two weeks out of the year. Yeah. And I thought, I can go, in, I can be in the army and get all these benefits and be a nurse. This is going to be incredible. And so I signed up and I wasn't too fat wow. at the time. So, um, <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. And, um, 
the day I was supposed to go and like sign away my life into the army and do all this, I chickened out. A friend said to me, we were out at a bar in Orlando, Florida the night before. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I can't stay out too late tonight. I have to be at the recruit office at like seven in the morning. And my friend's like, are you, are you, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, well, I was a month ago, but I don't know <laughs> what I want to do now. And because at that point in my life, I was also struggling if I should join the Peace Corps because um, I was okay. single and it was like 1997. And I was like, I got to do something with my life. I have to make a difference in the world. But sure. um, my friend kept giving me shots and I missed my recruitment appointment and then i never joined the <laughs> army reserves so thank you wow. well thank you for not getting drunk the night before you had to go sign up yeah <laughs> well i was 18 so technically oh, I yeah i was old <laughs> now let me ask you you said that when you were a kid and you were in the service i mean your dad was in the service you moved around a lot where was one of the coolest places you ever lived oh wow um I think each place had their own respect and their coolness. Um, I would say New Orleans was a pretty fun place just for the atmosphere of the food and the cuisine. Um, I would also say that Washington, D.C. was another really cool place for all of uh, the city and the i guess cuisine up there as well because i mean they have every type of food up there every type of cuisine um i, I feel like a lot of places were really cool uh and then it was also a lot of people that i met uh definitely lifelong friends from each of those places as well how old were you when you lived in washington dc were you like middle school elementary school uh so i moved to washington dc when i was in 10th grade mm. um and then I graduated high school there at T.C. Williams High School. And my parents lived there for another, I think, maybe four years. Mm. So I, I always went back and visited because I lived in North Carolina at that time. Uh, so I always went back and visited. And I definitely enjoyed Washington, D.C. a lot. You know, I would think I didn't go to Washington, D.C. until I was in my like mid-30s. But I think it would be so incredible to grow up living in Washington, D.C. during high school, because it's almost like the entire history of the country is at your fingertips. Like you can just go to any museum and learn so much knowledge about this country. And it's right there down the street. I I've always thought that that would be incredible. Absolutely. It was because they have all the museums. They even have like aquariums down there, but definitely the Smithsonian, the Air and Space Museum, uh, everything up there is just so much information at your fingertips. Yeah. Now with talking about something that's in, that's in the current events right now in the world, do you think that Washington DC should become the 51st state? I saw that. Um, I know that's a, that's a really big deal with people that live in Washington DC, even on their license plate. It says, uh, I think it's, I think it says taxation without representation, mm, uh, because, yeah. Oh wow! Because they're still oh they're taxed uh, they're taxed at a really high uh, tax rate, um, but they don't have representation. Uh, right. Um, so I think I think it would be fair for them to to get the representation if they have to pay their equal share uh, of taxes for the better of the government and the country. 
I, you know, I was just having this conversation with my husband on an episode a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about like, because the House of Representatives voted for it to become the 51st state. And now it's moving on to the Senate. And awesome. I've always just been so like, it's shocking to me that there's a part of the mainland USA, not like Alaska, Hawaii, whatever, but there's actually citizens inside on the continent where our country is where they're not represented by the government like that. And I just find, you know, it's almost like Puerto Rico and Guam and the U.S. Virgin Islands, but I've never put those into the same category as Washington, D.C., sure. because, you know, Washington, D.C. is right here. Sure. You know, the other places seem to be kind of far away, so you don't think about it as much. But, you know, when you think about, wow, there's citizens that live, like, right there in D.C., right next door to the White House, practically, who... Yeah don't have anyone to vote for or anything or like to vote on things. So I just found, I found that to be, so I agree with you. I think it should be a state. It sounds silly that it's not. Absolutely. Especially if uh, they're paying their equal share as everyone else is in the country. I, I feel like they should have the equal say just like we all do. I know. Well, it's, you know, I, I used to have this theory of, wow, well, well just move, just move. <laughs> Like, oh, if you don't like, if you don't like living in Palatka, Florida, just move to Orlando. But sometimes you can't, or sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes you've just been somewhere your entire life and, you know, you just want the same representation. So I just, I, and when you said you lived there and your parents had lived there, I was just curious of what you thought about it becoming the 51st state. Yeah, I definitely can understand the uh, sentiment that people want to live where they want to live. I know in Washington, D.C., uh, I guess for some people there, it's a prestigious thing. They say, oh, I live on 14th Street or I live on whatever street. And depending on like the neighborhood, it's like really clicky and people take a lot of pride in, uh, in where they live and stuff. So I can see how they're torn between uh, wanting proper representation, but still maintaining like their social life. And I see how that, that's pretty difficult for some people. I wonder if it, it it does pass and they become a state. I wonder if that will change the culture within Washington, D.C. Because just like you said, it's like this, um, the citizens there kind of feel special because they live in the country's capital. And then what sure. happens when, yeah, it's the capital, but you're just like the rest of us now. So <laughs> you're not that special anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll find a way to be special. Well, of course they will. Now- in the military, what is the, what, you know, you've been in the military for nine years. What is the, what is the thing that is, that is, they have taught you the most so far? I would say teamwork for sure is the, the biggest principle. Teamwork and integrity, um, just always doing the right thing because when you're not, it, it can greatly affect someone else. And then always being able to lend a hand to the team because uh, something always needs to be done. Uh, so if everyone comes together and approaches a task together, it can be done really efficiently and, and quickly as well. Now, you're in the active military, and that makes sense to me because so many people who leave the military when they come back to their civilian lives, they get jobs in leadership roles. I mean, the military really teaches you, you know, make your bed in the morning, do the, like these yeah. basic things that you don't even think of, like to balance your checkbook, be kind to people, like <laughs> do, 
be the best you can be. It's, it's not just a slogan. It's really something that they incorporate into you. Yes, they do for sure. Uh, I know I find myself whenever I'm bored on the weekends or something, I always find myself just cleaning something around the house or it's just the little things that, uh, it kind of sticks with you. And then you, you become a little OCD in a way you, you're always looking around, uh, to figure out how you can make things just a little bit better. Right. And, and, and I think that's great. I think that, um, it just instills in you integrity, like you said, or it instills in you teamwork, working together and things like that. Let me ask you, cause you're, you're active right now, but you're home. I, t- I, I believe, right? Yes, I am at home now. So how do you manage that? Okay. I'm in the military. I'm in the army. I'm not a civilian. Um, but I'm home in my house and, you know, I can hang out with my friends on the weekend, but then, oops, I got to pack up and now I'm heading to the Middle East for God knows how long. How do you maintain your sanity living like that? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people approach that different ways. Uh, everyone has their own coping mechanisms, if you will. For me, I just live... I try to live in the moment. I just try to live day to day because random things pop up for every trip that I go on. There's probably another two or three that I'm supposed to go on that just doesn't pan out. So I feel like I just have to live day to day. And if I go somewhere, I go somewhere. And if not, well, I'm, I'm here in the moment now. So I just have to enjoy where I am in the moment. So there's times where they could say, Cody, you know, be prepared. You're leaving on Tuesday and it's Friday. And then all of a sudden Monday comes and there says, oh, never mind. You're not leaving. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, okay. All right. God, that stresses me out. And I'm not even in the army just thinking about that because, (laughs) you know, what if, so say you have vacation plans in two weeks and then all of a sudden they say, nope, you're going to wherever you can't say, well, I'm sorry, I'm going away this weekend. That's not how it works. No, I've definitely, uh, I've definitely lost money on vacations or trips. Uh, so now I tend to do the refundable versions of deposits and stuff, uh, just because it's happened many times before. So, uh, you just have to, you have to balance the personal and work life and make sure you're making the best decisions. You know, the thing I think of is when you're home, like when I think of you being home in the army, living at home, I think of you being safe. I think, oh, Cody's Cody's state bound. All right, he's safe. Everything's good. Oh, he's going to work every day like the rest of us. And then I see on Instagram where you're flying helicopters over in the Middle East, which we're going to talk about as much as you can share. I know you can't share as much as I would love to get into. Um, but you know, when I see you over there, I, I, you know, your stories on Instagram and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm already stressed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like he's not home anymore. So what is, what is a normal day for you as much as you can share when you're home in North Carolina and you have to go to work? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Are you flying helicopters in the States or? Yeah. So a normal day, uh, most days we go in, do a little physical activity in the morning uh, maybe like push-ups or just physical strength or runs, something like that. Uh, and then the day starts, uh, you go in a lot of, uh, side work stuff. Uh, they call it additional duties. Uh, 
making sure fire extinguishers are up to date, stuff like that. Uh, and then they put out flight schedules mm. uh, for like the next week or two. So uh, sometimes you'll fly like once a week, maybe uh, once every other week. So whenever you do have a flight coming up, you just plan the flight accordingly. Um, and then uh, and then you'll fly the mission and then uh, you'll just wait for the next mission. And then in between, uh, you just maintain uh, the company area, if you will. So just the additional duties, like uh, making sure the weapons are cleaned and just the little tasks that have to uh, be accomplished for the bigger picture. Oh, so it's kind of like you go in and you just start your morning working out. It's like you have a gym right there and everyone just works out. Now, do you have to work out or is that just you can if you want? Uh, I would say most of the time it's uh, strongly encouraged uh, that everyone shows up. (laughs) Oh, okay. Wow, that's so interesting. So now if you don't show up, do you get reprimanded or do they just say be here tomorrow? Um, I would say uh, that everyone has a lot of uh, personal accountability. Um, I don't think that really happens too much. Uh, I think everyone really shows up at the right place at the right time and can be uh, accounted and trusted for. Mm. Well, that, but that's cool that they, and see, it's just, it's such a regiment. Now, when you, on the weekends, do you get up and do you go work out or do you just not because you do it Monday through Friday? Or I don't know, do you work on the weekends? I don't know. uh, Sometimes I do. Uh, It's not not always. Sometimes I do. But uh, pre-COVID, last year before 2020, uh, I would would go to the gym. There's a gym by by the house. And I would go three to four times a week on my own outside of work. Uh, So I don't get to go there as much anymore because gyms are still closed. Most gyms are still closed here in North Carolina. So I don't get to go to the gym as much as I would want to. Right. Right. Um, let's go back a moment because you talked of course about teamwork and integrity that the military instills in you. I actually share my birthday with the U S Marines, November 10th. I'm a little bit older than the Marines, but we'll, we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) Surely you're (laughs) not. (laughs) Oh, I feel like it some days, you know, I've been camping a lot. So when I go camping, um, I'm always crawling all over the truck and opening the tent and it makes me feel younger. And then when I come home, I'm like, Oh, I feel a hundred. I feel like I'm 300 years old again, but (laughs) You talked about teamwork and integrity. You know, some countries like Israel, they make all of their citizens, when you come out of school, that you have to spend time in the military. Do you think that's something that should be, like all countries should do? Do you think that would benefit um, Americans? Yeah, that's definitely uh, that's definitely a, a really tough question because I, I do believe I heard Israel, they say everyone has to serve two years after they're done. Yeah, I believe that's what it is. Okay. I would say, so for their culture, it works really well for them. I would say I've learned a lot of things the easy way and the hard way in the military, just from being young and making uh, silly decisions, uh, like, I don't know, sleeping in when uh, I should be at work or something, and then, having to be reprimanded back when I'm 18, 19 years old. So just like simple accountability stuff and personal responsibility, 
I don't know if that would work well for every young adult in America. I know it worked well for me. Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if America should adopt that system or not because I know a lot of people they don't work well in a structure. Mm-hmm. They they're free thinkers and creative minds, and they're really productive with that, and they they make beautiful things happen in this country. Um, but they wouldn't work well in the military per se because everything's really structured and sometimes you're not allowed to think for yourself because there's a plan, there's something that needs to be done right here, right now. So I think, I think I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. That's a really, that's a really tough question. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I love how before we recorded, I was like, throw something, throw anything back at me. And you just did. You actually listened to the pre-recording conversation. No one does. Nobody else does. This is what happens when you're spend nine years in the military. You actually listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that is one thing. You know, if they would have started it in 1776, then we wouldn't know any different today. Right. That would just be the way. But I do not believe that you could come out and say January 1st, 2021, everybody who graduates from high school has to take two years before they start college and join the military. You can't even get people to wear a mask. So I don't think you would get, I think it would be, can you just imagine what that would be like? But I do think it would be, I think it would benefit how people treat each other, how we look at each other. I think we'd be more forgiving and kind to one another because of that teamwork. You know, when you're in the military, and I've never been, and correct me if I'm wrong in anything I'm saying, but in the military, they teach you how to take care of each other, how to look out for each other, how to care about the guy standing next to you. And right now, nobody gives, excuse my language, a fuck about anyone else. So. I definitely believe there now I definitely believe there could be some great benefits from that, but I just don't know how it could work because like I said, there would be like an uproar like you've never seen. Can you imagine, you know, the richest people in the world having to send their 18 year olds off to two years in the military? For sure. I I think you have a good point there because I think a lot of people would have a tough time with that. Uh, I mean, even athletes, because uh, I think of professional athletes, they probably spent their summers going to expensive athlete camps mm-hmm. and baseball and football camps, grooming them for the next level D1 college athletes. And all of that would be delayed at least two years or however long the mandatory service would be. So even academics, oh, people yeah. go, people do bachelor, master, uh, combined programs that are seven years long. So all of these things would be delayed for the military service. Um, I'm not too sure everyone would take kindly to that. Right. And what's great about our country is you don't have to do that. Like people like you are willing to join the military and, and fight for our freedom. So you know, thank you for that. You know, freedom is not free. And it's because of people like you who allow us to have the freedom of speech, which I is my one of my favorite amendments. (laughs) Yes, 
I, you, you use it very well. <laughs> to the I, fullest extent. Sometimes I push it, push it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but you know, maybe there could be something <laughs> like, what was that? I'm sorry. As you should be able to. <laughs> exactly. That is why you're out there. You're out there so I could tell all my pilot dick jokes and I don't get arrested. This is the reason you're out there. But, it's you know, all perfect. I wonder, yes, you're out there just so I could tell dick jokes. Thank you, Cody. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I'm really focused on the idea of like, what the military teaches people on how to be better humans, like the integrity. And this is something that you can teach people in school. You could teach people this in high school. You know, you could teach people teamwork and, you know, you don't have to join the military. We're not, we're not in such need of military members that we have to like do something like that. But you can take those qualities that are taught in the service and incorporate them into an education so people know how to just be kind and take care of each other and look out for each other. I definitely agree. I know growing up, I played sports, baseball, football. I feel like through those activities, I was able to learn aspects of teamwork and accountability. And I think that might be a better option to try to push kids into more team activities. It doesn't even have to be sports. It could be as simple as, I don't like chess club. I don't know. Uh, just some kind of team effort, group activities, just so people have a better understanding of teamwork and coming together to accomplish a similar goal. Right. You know, I, I learned some of those things just when I was in nursing school. And then when I was a flight attendant, I learned a lot of teamwork, integrity, you know, how to, you know, be kind to the person you're working with, how to, you know, have them help you and things like that. And I think there's a lot of people who just don't have those qualities. And, um, and I know that they teach that in the service. So I, I can imagine. That. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine as a flight attendant, uh, you're changing everyone you're working with almost probably on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. So I feel like you have to have foundational skills that work well with that job so you can ensure the passengers are taken care of and the aircraft is safe. Right. And then of course you work with the random rando, the random person who you're like, how the hell did you get here? Cause you can't even take care of yourself. You look like a slop. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you were explaining like your routine of being in the military, <laughs> don't be offended by this, but it sounds to me like prison. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it compared <laughs> because it's and this isn't a you know prison jails and prison systems you don't sign up to go into you know you sign up to join the military but you know the regiment or and you know you get up in the morning you have your time to work out it does sound like you're explaining to me like you're in prison did you just say that it's been compared to that before um yes uh yeah yes i've, I've heard it compared to that before do you ever feel that way uh, I don't think so. I enjoy a structure. I, I enjoy knowing what my goals are and tasks are throughout the day. I feel like it gives me something to look forward to as the day goes on rather than just aimlessly walking around waiting for the day to end. Mm. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because you're always having something on your mind, right? There's always... There's always something to do. And then you always have in the back of your mind at any point, they could call me and I have to go to the Middle East. 
<laughs> I guess technically that's true. I, I don't, I, I try not to dwell on it uh, or think about it too much because I, I've found at this point, there's not too much you can do to change it or affect it. So it's easier just to live and uh, just go wherever the job takes you. Mm. Well, that's, you know what, if you, if your goal is to become an airline pilot, a commercial airline pilot one day, you're going to fit right in because that's how our, or I was a flight attendant, but crew, that's your mentality yeah. is, you know, you don't, you know, you think you're going to point A today. You think you're going to San Diego, but oh, nope, you're actually going to Oklahoma. You're going to Tulsa today because <laughs> no, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. No, not Oklahoma, any place, but Oklahoma. <laughs> no. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, Let's shift gears for a moment um, and talk about as much as you can, because I'm very interested about when you do go overseas and you go to the Middle East and you're flying helicopters. Um, if I ask you anything that you can't answer because you are in the active military, don't please just say that. Um, but sure. you recently came back. You were over there for how long? Uh, about four months. Four months? Wow. Now, yeah. from from me watching you on Instagram, it felt like it was like two weeks, but four months. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. That's a long time. How long did you know? How long did you have to prepare for this trip? How long did you know it was coming? Uh, I would say it was around a, a couple weeks, uh, to a, a month or two. Okay. And um, can you share where you were over there or no? Uh, I was, I, when I got there, I was in, uh, in Kuwait. Um, and then I, and then I left from there as well. Now, how many tours have you done in the nine years you've been in the army? So overseas, that's, that's only my second one. Uh, my first one was in 2012. Okay. I was, yeah, I was 19 years old. I was just out of my job training. Um, and then this was my second one. So do, so when you got out of your job training, that means when you were flying helicopters, am I correct? Uh, so that was back when I originally joined as an air traffic controller. Okay. Okay. So when you went over there, you were an air traffic controller in 2012. Yes. My job was air traffic controller. Is it normal for them to send new people right out of training overseas right away or no? Um, I think it's, I think it's normal. Um, you just show up to your company or your unit and, uh, they are, they already know if they're going somewhere. So, uh, if you arrive, uh, then you, then you get to go along for a trip. Now, um, so you were recently in Kuwait and can you walk me through a day of the life of Cody when you're in Kuwait and you're flying helicopters? I would say that, just depending on what I was doing for the day, uh, flying daytime or nighttime, it would really vary, but I would always try to go to the gym and just try to do something active. They had sports fields, so you could play just random games of frisbee or football. Uh, then you go to, you eat, then you go to work. Uh, but it wasn't a lot of additional duty stuff, uh, like, checking fire extinguishers and stuff like that you do in America. Oh. It was just mission focused. Uh, you just accomplish whatever was uh, the, the mission for the day. What is the scariest thing about being over there to you? 
<sighs> I would say, uh, I don't know if it's too sentimental, but I would say the scariest part is losing the relationships that you have with friends and stuff that are still back in America because you're on a different time zone across the world. Everyone's living their separate life. They have their stresses back here. I have stressors over there. Um, so you're not able to connect as well as you do back in America. So I would say that loss of relationships would be the, the biggest thing for me personally. But when you come back, don't they just pick right back up? It really does. I, I, I'm surprised by that. Uh, it, it just, you, you start talking to people again and it's like a day never passed. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's how you know a true friendship. A true friend is someone that you could go four, five, six months without talking to because you just get busy and then you pick up the phone and it's like you, you just talked yesterday. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's uh, definitely happened times with me. Now, um, but besides the, besides the friendship part, when you're over there, do you ever feel f fear for your life? Um, I wouldn't say I want to say that is so much just because I would say maybe thinking about it here, uh, builds up anxiety or something. But when you're over there living day to day, uh, I wouldn't say I've truly have had any of those panicked fears or anything like that. Just because when you're, especially when you're doing things like you're in the moment, you don't really have time to think about too many emotions. Just, thinking about what's the task at hand. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, and I, I can't speak for all, all American stateside, but I know sometimes in our brains, when we're civilians in the States, we think of you guys over there, like where you're dodging bombs constantly. Like I'm thinking, how is he working out? Isn't he like trying to stay off of mines or something? But <laughs> Because that's what, that's kind of what the media tell. That's kind of what has been programmed into us. But a lot of, but that's not always the case. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I would say there's a lot of places over there that are, that are generally safer than what the media portrays. I would say uh, the media has a vested interest in getting as many ratings and as many viewers as possible. So sometimes the stories they, they talk about aren't exactly accurate. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we know, we know their job is to get us worked up into, you know, yeah. put a little bit of, Oh my God, into our system. So yeah, I understand that. For sure. Um, but I always think like when you're like, Oh, you know, I get up in the morning and I work out and I'm like, Oh my God, aren't you scared to walk through the barracks? But the barracks are pretty safe. Am I correct? I would say so. I would say I feel comfortable, uh, where I was staying. What is the worst part of when you're in Kuwait? Like, cause Kuwait used to be a rough place. Used to be a rough place. Um, and now it's kind of calmed down. I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, okay. when you're there, you feel safe, but you're always on guard. Yeah. I would say, I would say anytime you're away from home, uh, you're a little on edge just because it's a new place. Uh, you're still learning all the the different intricacies about where you're at. Uh, so I would, I would say anytime I'm away from home, it's just a different scenario, different dynamic. So 
I'm always a little on edge because I'm not too sure what to expect. Right. Um, because when you're, here's the thing, when you're flying a helicopter in North Carolina, you, there's a very low, 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 low chance that you're going to be shot out of the sky. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, you're flying uh, over North Carolina, you, you know, you might get somebody that screams up at you. You might have somebody shine a laser at you because they're assholes. Like they like to do that to aircraft. But you know, when you're in the middle East, you know, somebody could blow your helicopter out of the sky. That's not out of the, that's not a, that would not be that it's possible for sure. I would say, uh, I would definitely say North Carolina flying is a whole lot safer than flying over there. Uh, right. I don't, th- I don't think I would be shot down, uh, here in North Carolina. I have heard there's been angry farmers if, uh, an aircraft flies too low over their fields or their, their cattle. But I would say that's about the most dangerous thing here. Right. Now, when you're in Kuwait, though, what is the most dangerous thing when you're flying a helicopter? Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure uh, what the most dangerous thing would be. I, I think it depends on the mission and uh, the time of day and stuff like that. Uh, I would say it's very it's variable based off the mission. Well, it's, and it's really dusty there. Does that affect how you have to learn how to fly or how you fly compared to when you're state bound or someplace that is not the desert? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great thing we do is we focus a lot on training. So even when we're in North Carolina, uh, we train for environmental conditions such as dust, uh, cause it, it, it dust will definitely come and obscure a lot of your vision. So we definitely do practice that here in America as well, uh, just so when it does happen, it's not the first time and we're comfortable with the different conditions. Yeah, because I would think when you're over there, you know, oh, there's a dust storm. That's not something that you would prepare. That's not something that would happen in certain parts of the United States while you're training. But you have to know what to do when that happens. Correct. Yes. Uh, Just like thunderstorms as well. Uh, Mm. You definitely don't want to get caught in a dust storm or a thunderstorm. Have you ever been over there um, and flying and something's happened that has scared the shit out of you? Uh, I would say definitely so. In in Kuwait, it was getting pretty warm uh-huh. when I was leaving. And the, flying towards the end, there would be random spots of turbulence and you wouldn't know when to expect it because it's just all flat desert. Whereas here in America, you can, you can kind of predict it because you can see that a mountain coming up and you know that turbulence might come off the air off the mountain. But over there, you would just be flying around and all of a sudden you would just, your aircraft would just slam down and you'd be like, wow, okay. A little bit of turbulence there. (laughs) Now, what do you feel more comfortable flying, helicopters or small planes? I would say I would I feel more comfortable flying airplanes. Okay. Just because helicopters they have blades turning. They're not they're not aerodynamic per se. Like they're if you turn the engines off, they're not continuing to fly anymore, whereas an airplane is. So helicopters vibrate a lot. Uh and it lots of noise as well. I just feel more comfortable in airplanes. They're smooth, aerodynamic. They're more graceful, if you will. <laughs> and they right. definitely keep when the engine's off. 
at least for a little bit. I um I think it was last summer, July, July or August. I was I had a Las Vegas layover, and I went and I did the Grand Canyon tour, um, oh, out awesome. of Boulder City, and um, and I used my flight benefits, so I actually upgraded to the front seat of the helicopter, so it only cost me like fifty wow. bucks. It was great, um, but when we landed. I was in love with it. I said, I, if I ever live in Vegas, or maybe I should just move to Vegas, get my helicopter's license and give Grand Canyon <laughs> tours. Because the dude that was doing it, he was probably like 25 and he was talkative, but he wasn't like me. And I thought, oh my God, I'd be the best Grand Canyon helicopter tour <laughs> pilot. Because I would be like, you see those people? It was just great. But when I told my husband, he's like, do you know how dangerous helicopter, they fall out of the sky. And I was like, well, they don't always fall out of the sky, but because, you, because you've flown both, can do you feel confident in saying one is safer than the other? I would say both are, are very safe just because the standard of education and the, the standard that the mechanics have of performing the, the task for the aircraft, whether an airplane or helicopter, I would say both are generally equally safe in my opinion. I just feel, I feel more comfortable in an airplane versus a helicopter just because I don't get as fatigued as easily because helicopters are just vibrating and shaking, a lot of noises. Mm -hmm. I get tired more quickly in a helicopter, whereas airplanes, I, I mean, I've had airplanes where I fly nine, 10 hours in a day, uh, and I'm not as tired as I would be if I flew a helicopter nine or 10 hours in a day. Right. But, you know, this is... This is preparing you because if you ever do become an airline pilot and you work on the Airbus, you're only going to have to push one button and you're going to be done. You're going to yeah, be you so bored. Are. You're going to be like, God, where's my first class meal? Because I pushed one button and now the first officer's taking over and I'm done. <laughs> that's not that's not a lie. That's actually a true story. Um, no, that's life it sounds like it yeah well i believe that the um boeing airplanes are there's more involved and i'm not a pilot but this is just from what i've heard there's it's there's more things involved flying a boeing plane than there is an airbus plane okay so i'll, I'll take your so yeah and that's what i've heard but um when you're over there though when you're in kuwait on this last um tour you start getting homesick. What do you guys do? Cause I'm sure you're with the same group of people for a while until like, Oh, Bill's going home tomorrow. Janice is going home. whatnot. What do you guys do to kind of keep sane in such a foreign, a foreign place? I would say we definitely rely on the just friendships and the interactions with each other. Cause it's generally the same people that you work with here in America. So you still have that sense of familiarity with the people that you work with. So it might be a different environment, uh, but you still have the daily interactions and friendship with things you're comfortable with. Do they have like movie night and can you go out for drinks? Can you do things like that? Or is it like, no, you don't leave the base or are those things on base? Um, they, they will have projectors and do movie nights and stuff. Drinking. I think that's mostly an air force thing. I don't, <laughs> I yeah, I haven't seen any army places that allow us to drink over there, but I, I've heard air force, uh, is allowed to do that. So I'm not too sure about that. From your experience, do you see, uh, 
do you see women flying helicopters or is it mostly men? I would say there's definitely a mix. Oh, good. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I fly, I fly with every person, um, male, female, every race, everything. Uh, I definitely see it all. And I think everyone's a, an upstanding professional and are really good at their craft. That's awesome to hear. I, I I think that's great. I can't imagine what it would be like. So you're in the military for so long, you fly helicopters and then you finish, you you retire from the military. And now I'm a civilian. I have to get a job. I can't imagine not going into some type of airline industry because how do you go from flying helicopters and living this fast paced, you know, exciting life to now I'm just going to go be a CEO of a company. Yeah, I definitely, I, I want to go work for the aviation industry as a pilot when, whenever I do get out of the military, uh, I think I'll appreciate the, the more st- structured, uh, that I have now when I go, cause I've heard, uh, month to month, your schedule changes, you could be put on reserve. Mm. So I think I'll appreciate the structure I have now, but I am excited for the new challenge of a different environment and being able to fly places here in America and and see the country more. So your goal is when you do retire to become an airline pilot, commercial airline pilot or FedEx or whatever would, yeah. Yeah. I I would say, uh, whenever my, whenever I get up the army, whether it's in two years or if I stay and retire, not sure yet, but I would definitely say some kind of corporate or airline, uh, just something here in America where I could uh, just spend more quality time with like friends and just have a better uh, work personal life balance. Do you see yourself ever going back to school? Cause I would expect they would pay for you to go back to school or go to school, go to college. I mean, if you, when you got out, do you think you would ever consider that? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, because they do the GI Bill, if you serve for, I want to say it's 36 months, then you get the GI Bill, which will pay for a whole bunch of stuff from vocational training. If people want to be an electrician to college, to even flight training. Uh, So back in 2015, uh, 14 area, uh, I I started bachelor's and then uh, I finished my bachelor's degree already. So uh, I, I might go back and do a master's. Uh, I'm not too sure yet. I have been weighing the options of that. Oh. Now, do you have to apply? It's the GI Bill. Do you have to apply to colleges or do you get the education through the Army? Yeah, so you, you apply to colleges and then the GI Bill is just the form of payment. So oh, okay. I, I applied. I went to Embry-Riddle. Aeronautical University uh, through the worldwide version, they call it, which is basically just online classes. And then uh, the GI Bill just paid the tuition. Uh, and I just made sure I had uh, a certain, I, I forgot what it is, but you have to have a certain GPA. Mm, very nice. Now, can you share with me what your degree's in? It's in aeronautics. Oh, that's awesome. Now, do you have. So do you have enough flight hours? If you were to leave in two years, could you just go right into apply at an, uh, at an airline in the States? Uh, pre COVID I would, uh, post COVID. I'm not sure what that looks like anymore, oh. but right now I have 1600 hours 
uh, it's a little bit more airplanes than a helicopter for my flight hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably say 60% airplanes, 40% helicopters, but 1600 total, uh, before, uh, I think I, I would have been competitive for a regional airline. I'm not too sure post COVID, uh, how that's going to look though. Now, how has COVID affected your, how has COVID affected all that for you? I would say in the, in my army life, yeah, it hasn't affected much. I, I don't see much change. Uh, we do social distancing, we wear masks, but, uh, what's, what's required of my work duties hasn't changed much, but now with my contract coming up in a couple of years, I would say COVID has weighed on my decisions heavily. Oh, because, I get what you mean now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. You, you don't want to make the wrong decision. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to be unemployed. So you definitely take these decisions more carefully. I was confused when you were saying pre COVID and post COVID regarding that, I thought that it was affecting your job in the military, but I, but what I think you're talking about is just in the airline industry. Now, you know, they're furloughing, people are losing their jobs. It might take them a while. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, That's why I was like, well, how has, how has COVID affected your job? But it's really like in two years, they, the airline industry still might be recovering and I, uh, they're going to hire back the people they furloughed most likely, or they're going to offer them. Correct. So, yeah. So, right. Now I have to weigh the decision of, but I, I, I have time for that. Um, I have time to make that decision and see the opportunities. And uh, who I've learned that at this point, no one knows where life is going to go. So just be receptive to whatever it presents. But if you, but if you went into the army at 19 and you retired at 39, that's so young. You still have almost 25, 30 years of flying that you could do. You could have a whole entirely different, a new career. That is very true. Uh, and that's, that's a definitely a huge perk of the military is you only have to give 20 years to retire. So if you start out at a young age, you could retire and start a whole new career. What, what are the benefits of staying in for 20 years and retiring compared to, I'm just going to do a four-year stint and then I'm going to be done? So what, when you stay in 20 years and you retire, you get uh, health care for the rest of your life. And then you also get a percentage of whatever you're getting paid. Uh, you get a check for the rest of your life as well. Um, so it's definitely a really good retirement system. Whereas if you get out after four years, uh, you don't you don't necessarily get anything other than just the GI Bill for edu- continued education. Well, now I feel like shit because if I would have joined the Army Reserves in '97, I would have gra- I could have <laughs> retired three years ago, and yes. I would be set. See what happens when see. Sometimes friends are not there to make help you make the best decisions. <laughs> but no, I, th- I you know. I think that's great because you basically, when you're in the army and I'm going to just say army, but I really mean them all. Sure. Um, when you're in the army, you, you're giving, you, you, you kind of belong to the military and the government. They kind of, I'm not going to say own you, but they kind of own you a little bit. Um, I would agree with that. And how does that feel? Do you ever do you ever have animosity about that, or is it just now like it is what it is because I signed up? Yeah, I would say it's just it is what it is. Uh, 
you signed up for it. I guess you signed the contract. So to a certain point, I would say there's a general understanding that uh, the job we do and the mission we do is variable and no one can really predict what's going to happen next. Everything's really reactive sometimes just based off world events. So uh, most people are pretty understanding of having to move a lot and stuff like that. Right. You, you, you just have to like, it's, it prepares you for the airline industry because the airline industry is so chaotic and so disorganized. I don't, I don't mean to scare you away, but these are facts. No, no, definitely you not. can ask anybody, you know, they're going to be like, Oh God, don't even talk to me about airline management, but it prepares <laughs> you to live that lifestyle. And I've worked with pilots who I can meet. I, you can automatically tell when it was a military pilot automatically just Really? Yeah, okay. they they walk on the plane. Did you say why? Yeah, yeah. Well, they walk on the plane. They're very, very detailed with their briefing. There's two kinds of pilots that do briefings. Um, and it's the pre it's the pre departure briefing. So the captain comes on, he says, All right, this is what the weather's like. There's gonna be turbulence. If anyone's giving you shit, let us know. Like there's a really good way to to brief your flight attendants. You know, you just tell them about the weather and if you were armed, if you FFDO, like there's so many things. Yeah. And you can always tell, oh, these are the military pilots. They come on, they they have they even have a, their little checklist and they're like, okay, we talked about that, we talked about that, we talked about that. All right. If anyone gives you guys a problem, we don't pull up with we don't put up with that bullshit. You let us know at the gate. Yeah. You know, da da da. This is there's gonna be turbulence. They pull out their iPad and they show you like there's turbulence over Nebraska. Then you get the pilots that walk on and they say, normal brief and then you don't see them again and i used oh. to always say well what the hell's a normal brief because a normal brief for you bill is probably not the same brief as captain dan does so i don't know what's your normal brief so you can always tell and i'm always grateful when i have a military pilot because i just know they're on top of their shit. for sure i, I would definitely say attention to detail is really really harped on because anything can change at a moment's notice. So when everyone kind of understands what's happening, if, if there's like a little change that wasn't announced, everyone's like, hey, like what's happening? And so we can adjust to the situation and try to find a, a positive solution or outcome. So I could see if a pilot's briefing you like, hey, there's going to be turbulence over this state. Um, you, you're kind of preparing like, hey, I, I imagine you would say, hey, let me try to get through meal service before I reach that state. So I'm not taking the cart down the aisle and then all of a sudden we're over in Nebraska and uh, I'm being I'm hitting the ceiling or something or the drinks are spilling over or something. And it's always, I always say it's Nebraska. I don't know why. It's just such a flyover state. Poor Nebraska. It, I, and you know what? I have such great friends that live in Omaha, and I always just say, you know, Nebraska, it's just a, you know, they say it's a flyover state, and I always feel bad, but it kind of is. But <laughs> now, I've never been there, so. Oh, you haven't? I love Omaha no. is such a cool city. And I bet you people are going to be like, what is he saying? Um, <laughs> but I also like Cleveland. So I'm weird. <laughs> okay. I, I heard it's cold in Cleveland. Never been there either. Oh, they have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. See, once, once you retire from the military and you get an airline job, it's going to be like, it's going to be so overwhelming for you because the the world is literally 
in your hands and you can do anything. Like I have found, I've been in Rochester, New York on like a 40 hour layover. And you're like, what the hell am I going to do in Rochester? That's where Susan (laughs) B. Anthony's house is and her museum. Like I have found every, yeah, every single city I've ever been in, I have found something to do. And that's the one thing I'm going to miss about working for the airlines is just the freedom of saying, I didn't have to pay for this hotel and I'm at the rock and roll hall of fame in Cleveland. This is, this is rocking. This is so cool. So you're, um, I'm kind of jealous of, of your future with that. So that's going to be really exciting. It it does sound exciting. Uh, I I guess I'm not fully understanding of the possibilities. I do see people go and travel, uh, but I'm definitely excited to experience it for myself. Yeah, you know, it's going to be such an exciting moment for you because you're you will already have this life that you've lived and you're going to take all these um, you know, things that you've learned and you're going to take them into your next career and it's just going to be so exciting. I'm 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 very excited for you. Well, I appreciate that. I can't, I can't wait for it to happen. I know. And I won't work with you unfortunately, but that would probably be better because I would just get you in <laughs> so much trouble. You have no idea. Ha! But <laughs> I do want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the United States right now. And because you're in the military, I think you're going to have a great outlook on this or input is the idea of, of people taking a knee during the national anthem, during sporting events. Um, when I say that to you, what is your first thought about that? I guess my first thought is that people are, able to exercise their first amendment rights. Uh, they're able to express themselves. They're able to express their views, uh, the way they see fit. Uh, so I, I, I do know some people think one way or the other. Um, I'm, I'm really just happy that we're in a country where people can express their views and opinions and not go to jail like, uh, other countries that we see in the media. Um, I think down in Hong Kong, uh, people are being thrown in jail for voicing their opinion. And I just think that's so, so unfortunate because we should all be able to express ourselves and we should all listen to each other and, and hear how we can become better as a society. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. And I agree with you a hundred percent because when I've been, when I, when I read this stuff and I see it on the news and I watch this, I think we're so lucky that we have that opportunity to like, like protest, like some countries can't even protest. Yeah. And when I think of the military, I think you, you, Cody, you're out there risking your life so that if I'm not happy with something in the country that I was born in and raised in and love that I can, yeah. I can protest it. Or I can say, you know what, we need to bring attention to something that needs attention that needs to be paid attention to. Why do you think, and, and before I continue, and I noticed that when I, when I read things online or I see that lots of military people think like you do because they come from the background of I'm fighting for your freedom so that you can do that. What I get, what I get frustrated is with a lot of Americans, a lot of people in the United States who barely get off the fucking sofa, sorry, um, (laughs) who have never spent a moment of their time in the military, but act like they are the most patriotic people in the world. And it frustrates me sometimes. For sure. 
it frustrates me sometimes because then I talk to someone like you who's like, if anybody's going to be offended, oh, what are you? Oh, you don't you don't respect the flag. You don't respect me serving. That's that's not what it is. It's I'm so grateful for you, but this is how I'm going to get. This is how people get attention. Um, yeah, I would I would say people have to take drastic measures sometimes uh, to capture the attention of a nation because. I mean, everyone's lives are so busy and going so many different ways. We don't always have the attention span to be able to, to listen. Uh, so I think it's good when we can all come together and listen to each other and see how we can better ourselves and make everyone feel like they're included and, and like they're respected. Well, now you're just sounding like a smart person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a, I, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> now you're just throwing that bachelor's degree around all cocky-like. <laughs> yeah. I, I, def- I definitely think we all uh, we all have something to learn from each other, though. I really do. Oh, absolutely. Of course. That's why I do this podcast, because somebody will be listening to one of these conversations and say, oh, I didn't know that. And boom, I'm done. That's exactly the whole purpose of this is to just give people a new outlook on a situation or a conversation. Yeah, because I know even myself, uh, I I think one way about a situation, and until someone gives you a different perspective, it's it's hard to see a different perspective. Uh, so it, it's definitely helpful for me, at least, when I talk about a situation, I see a different light, a different perspective, then I feel like I can grow from that and try to be a better person myself. Well, that's good. Well, you're, you're a great person. So don't, but, but continue, don't stop where you are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never be stagnant. You know, when I was, when I was re before this conversation, I was doing my homework and I was researching about the, you know, the take the knee and I was, I was reading like what people think about it. And I found this great article about, um, when it first started when, oh God, I'm the worst with names, Colin Kaepernick, right? That's his yep, name. Yeah. That's oh, it. wow. <laughs> Good job, Joe. Look, homosexuals yeah. can talk about football. No, I'm kidding. And um, <laughs> I'm ridiculous. But I was reading this article, and um, there was a, an army veteran who was the one who convinced Colin to take the knee because originally he was just yeah. sitting on the bench, and that, and he kind of told Colin like that's actually more disrespectful than. If you, t- if you want to find a compromise, they kind of came up with this compromise. And this is, of course, me just glossing over the conversation. It's much more deep. I encourage people to, to research and find out. And um, he kind of, they compromise. He's like, if you take it, like taking a knee is actually a very respectful thing in the military. You do it to rest. You do it if there's a fallen comrade. Am I correct in that thinking? Yeah, uh, I would say taking a knee is definitely a, a term you hear a lot in the military. It's taking a rest, as you said, and a uh, fallen comrade as well. Uh, so I would say it's it's a very known uh, term in the military, taking a knee. Uh, I wouldn't say that's a disrespectful term in the military. No. See, and I had no idea. But so see, just from preparing for this interview with you, this conversation, I did a little digging. And it 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and I found this yeah. information. And I thought... If I am, if I can find this in ten minutes, three hundred and sixty-five million other people in this country yeah. can too. I mean, it was uh, not that difficult. And when I was reading, I found out that you know they had this compromise, and he told Colin, like you know, 
the most you know, I understand your message and I understand what you're doing and you're trying to bring awareness to things that aren't going well in this country. But if you kind of want to do it in a more respectful way, you should take a knee because that is something that the military understand and they know and they respect and and but still people are crazy about it. And I just think, oh, you haven't really done the research and found out you're just hell bent. There's some people with that honor culture that's just ingrained in them that they think, oh, you're taking a knee while they're singing the anthem. You hate this country. You should leave. And that really bothers me because I'm like, no, no, that's not that's not what's happening. Yeah, I would say I've, I've noticed that a lot recently that sometimes I don't know. Some people will never be happy with what's happening. Uh, there's no way to get everyone together in America on one side for one thing. It seems like uh, there's always going to be someone who's not happy with what you're doing. Uh, and that is frustrating because something as simple as everyone should be respected, everyone should be cherished and valued. Like, I don't see why there would be resistance against that. So. I definitely understand how that's very frustrating. Well, you know, a lot of people just don't feel comfortable with diversity or people that are different than them. So, you know, it comes to the, I always go back to this thing that I say, where if we all looked the same, if everyone was the same color, we all looked the exact same, but our ears were different. People would be like, oh, people with big ears, those are the those are the people with the problem. Oh, we don't like yeah. the big eared people. We hate the big eared people. It, it's just it's just been like that since the caveman days when it was like, oh, that guy's hot. Oh, I mean, he's gonna have ten wives or something. It's just it's like the best looking or the smartest people are always rever revered. Um, but we're all the same. We're all human beings. Should just be Absolutely. just be kind to one another. Absolutely. And I don't I don't know why some people have uh, that ingrained in them. Uh, I don't know if it's just the way they grew up, or I don't know. I, I've I've never I've never had that in my life. Just because moving every two to three years, I've I've lived everywhere in the country, even outside of the country. So, and everyone I work with now, I mean, no one cares about race or religion or gender or anything like that because there's a task we have to accomplish. And I mean, who cares? I mean, that doesn't, if everyone comes together, then who cares about little things like that? Um, so for me, it's a little foreign uh, that people think like that, but I, I wish there was a way um, we could share awareness of that and have people understand the bigger picture. Right. Just, just do some research and find out where, why people are, taking a knee, how it's really not that it doesn't mean they're stop. Now, if they were out there stomping on the American flag, I would be like, Whoa, bitches, slow yeah. down, slow down. The flag's not supposed to touch the ground. You know, Absolutely. your, your feet should not be on the flag, but I, I struggle with these people who, like I said, who have never joined the military. They've never served a day in their life to to help this country, but they seem the loudest about being patriots. What do you think of that? I think, I think as you said before, uh, you said it was like some honor, honor thing within themselves. I guess wherever they grew up, how they grew up, 
they feel like they're doing what's right. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's a bad thing, obviously, but I do think that's what makes America different that people can grow up so differently, um, and be free in this country and have their opinions. I just, I think it goes back to the education. We need to, we need to educate people um, so they know how their thinking isn't morally right and that they can hopefully grow and we can change the next generation. If, if this generation is too far gone, maybe we can affect the next generation. Well, your kids will probably, you know, your kids will be the ones who hopefully are part of that generation where they're more open-minded they accept people for who they are and they're just kind to one another because we're slowly moving out of that era of people who are, and I'm not, this is nothing against conservatives, but are le- are more conservative. Like no one wants to be in the middle anymore. Like I'm proud to be a moderate. I'm proud to be in the middle. I, yeah. I th- I'm going to buy a gun and take a gun class because I go camping and I don't want somebody coming into the tent and shooting us. But I also believe, you know, liberal sides of things too. So I like to be in the middle and, and I don't, I think we've lost that. I think it's either you're far left or you're far right. And now if you're in the middle, you don't belong to anyone. And and then both of those sides pick on you. (laughs) Like, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I would say I'm moderate as well, but it, it is coming to a culture where you have to completely side with one party or the other conservative or liberal. Like if you, if you have mixed uh, opinions, if you like one thing for the left and one thing from the right, as you said, then no one, no one wants to hear what you have to say. And everyone, it just seems like everyone keeps polarizing themselves. And I don't think that's productive. No, what's happened is everyone just wants to stay with their team and on their side. And it's almost like they really don't care about the future of the country. It's just, they're so absorbed in what's happening right now in their life that they don't care what happens to the entire country. They're just worried about themselves. I would agree with that. I think they're just looking for an improvement on their life. Right. And sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture, I think. And, or maybe that's because I'm older and I'm a couple years away from 50 wiser. Thank you. I should should take the word older out of my vocabulary. You know, now that I'm almost 50 and wiser, see, this is why you're on the show. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but I'm glad you were so honest about that because I was like, should I bring this up to him? I don't know. And I'm like, yes, he's a military. He's in the military. Of course, I'm going to bring this up to him. If I don't, I have failed my job as a, as a podcast host. Absolutely. Um, I agree. It's, it's the, it's hard conversations that people need to have. Um, because even if they are thinking improperly, um, they can get that insight and they can, they can help grow themselves and fix themselves. Right. Because, you know, we're, we're in this world now where when military people do come out and say, yeah, protest the flag or protest whatever you want to protest. Cause that's why I'm fighting for your freedoms to do that. And now these, these certain people in the country who consider themselves to be the biggest patriots are attacking the military people. And then my mind just explodes. Cause I'm like, well then, well then, so do you, do you like the military or do you only like them when they agree with you? So, yeah. and you know, 
I don't know if you know this, but my husband and I are homosexuals. <laughs> You're like, what? No, I didn't I did know. Not know that. Of course you did. Um, and we go camping and, you know, we're moderates. We're moderates that are liberal leaning. Okay. And, sure. um, but when you're out there, we live in Colorado. There's some hardcore people out here. We were just camping over the weekend and they're shooting guns like four tenths over. So, yeah. you know, we have our American flag out because I love this country. You know, I, I yeah. do believe there's some things that we need to fix. Um, just like in any relationship or in any type of anything, you're not perfect. So, there's things to fix, but we have our American flag and we always joke like they won't shoot us because we have an American flag. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> let's let's well, hopefully it's not a stray bullet. But you know what we do off-roading, we're butch gays. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but we're butch gays. And um, you know, but I'm also the the guy who's like, I want to get a gun for my protection, but I also want to take a lesson to learn how to shoot it. I'm not just gonna go and okay. buy a gun. Um, hi, I've, you know, and I've shot guns, I've shot guns at a range before, but I'm not the guy who's just going to go uh, buy a gun and just without taking a class and feeling comfortable and knowing, I want to know everything about the gun. Um, sure. and I just think that's smart, but you know, when we're out there, we're around a lot of those conservative types who have like 50 American flags on their ATV. And it's almost like they're trying really hard to show you that they love their country. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I love my country too. Settle down. We just have one flag, but okay. Don't, don't hold us against that. But, um, yeah, I, I have more flags than you. I'm more patriotic. Right. No. And then, um, and then I think, you know, we're not even supposed to wear the American flag. Do you know that? Like, it is, yeah. you're, not, you're not supposed to wear the flag. You're not supposed to have the flag like on clothes, on curtains, on cups. Like the American flag is supposed to fly in the air and that is it. And um, so it's such a great argument for anyone who would say like, oh, well, they're disrespecting the flag, but you're actually wearing a bandana that has the flag on it. So that might be worse. <laughs> yes. Uh, by absolutely by flag regulation it is right and it's, i and i don't think you know that because you better because you're in yeah. the army i know that yeah. because i do some reading but a lot of people <laughs> why did you laugh at that because it was funny <laughs> because i did some reading i did some reading you know i'm trying to say that because it's so simple to find these things out yeah um but you know, for so many people, they don't know that. And, you know, it goes back to just educating yourself. Like if you're that, if you love this country that much, you should know the fucking rules up and down and sideways. Absolutely. I agree. I'm talking a lot. Am I, I feel like you should be doing more of the talking, but I get all worked up and I'm sweating over here. No, I, I enjoy other people's <laughs> opinion. I enjoy hearing it. Now, you do have a more moderate to liberal leaning view on the flag thing. Have you in, have you been while you're at work? Do you work with any people who might not think like you? And how does that work when you're in the military? I would say we definitely have people that have all sorts of political beliefs, uh, left, right, libertarian. Um, but we, it's just, different because we're able to share those conversations and opinions with each other, but we all have an understanding that we can all have our own opinions 
and it's just opinions. I don't think anyone takes it too personally, definitely not at work. Um, and I think we do a good job of being able to have our own personalities and opinions and still come together and do the job that's required of us. I think that's a great answer. And I think you're absolutely correct. Um, and I, and I expect that what's it like though? So you've been in the, you've been in the army during Obama and Trump. And now I'm not going to ask yep. you politically who you, who you side with. That's not important to me right now, but is there a difference with the two different administrations while you're serving? I honestly haven't seen a difference at all. Um, I wouldn't say training has increased or decreased or me leaving or staying home has changed much. It seems like it's just business as usual, uh, no matter who's in office. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would just say like the social situations that the media uh, plays on their on their newspapers and TVs. I feel like that's the only changes that I see. I don't really see any at work. So do, so when you're there, do people in the military, do they kind of keep their political views close to them or do they kind of share them like people seem to do as civilians? Cause you know, everyone loves to tell you who, what they think. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's as, uh, in your face as it is, and the actually, I don't, I don't fully know how it is in the civilian world. I just know from like me off base, like walking around interacting with people. I, I would say that it's not as in your face uh, in the in the military. People are open to discussing things and open to discussing conflicts and stuff. But I don't I don't think it's as aggressive per se. Like people are just understanding of each other. Well, and you guys are trained to, I'm sure there's some conflict resolution training that you have to go through. You're at combat sometimes. I'm like, your job Absolutely. is to, you know, not, you know, cause more problems, but to kind of calm problems down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then, you know, in the States, the civilians, our job is to just create more chaos. <laughs> <laughs> to keep us employed. <laughs> right, because we need you guys to keep us employed. And what I was where I was going with this conversation is you know whether you liked Obama, whether you like Trump, you know, they're the commander in chief and they're the ones who are in charge of the military per se. And I yeah. just think I want to know what it's like when you're in the service, you're serving the country and you don't like the president at the time, no matter who it is, it could be Trump, Obama, Clinton, whatever. I always thought like, I wonder what it's like for them in this situation where they're out there in combat and they don't even really respect the person who's giving the orders. I would say that is a tough spot uh, for, for some people. I, I would say that you just have to respect the office that the orders are coming from. Um, so if you don't, if you don't like Trump or you don't like Obama or you don't like whoever's next, um, you really just have to understand what your job is and you're really doing it for the citizens of America. At the end of the day, we're here to keep the citizens of, of America free and to share their opinions. And that's really what it's for. Uh, and then the orders are just coming from an office. So I think it's more important 
to focus on who you're doing it for than who's telling you what to do. That's really good. That's good. Cause so it's, you know, you could incorporate that into just like if you worked in a, an office building and it's like, you don't really speak to the president of the company. You know, yeah. you might think the president at the moment is a dick, whichever year you're in or what, whoever's the president of the company you work for. But you know, there's so many layers to that person that you're really not even that connected to them. Absolutely. I, I would say, I would venture to say that it's the same in an airline. You want to make sure the customers are having a great experience and want to come fly with your airline again. And maybe people don't agree with whatever that CEO is making for his decisions. But at the end of the day, it's the customer that's the priority. Right. And the cu- and your customer is me. So no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have to make Joe happy. You work for me. No. And it's but <laughs> that's hilarious. Um I have to ask this question. What do you think of all the stuff going on regarding transgender people in the military? Do you think it's that big of a deal or do you think it's not a big deal at all? I would say that I'm not as educated uh, with that as I should be and as I want to be. So I think it is difficult for me to have like a true opinion about that. Um, and that is one thing I've, I've learned over the last couple months is that we all have to learn more about the, the situations that are coming. Uh, so I, I, I would say that I want to learn more about that so I can have an opinion because um, obviously right now, my opinion is that I want everyone to feel valued and respected. I, I know I would have no problem working with anyone, even if they are transgender. I, As long as we're able to accomplish the job, I think it would be productive to have anyone who has a skill that can help make things more efficient, no matter what they are or who they are or what they believe or anything. Right. You know, I've always thought like, why would you say no to someone? Why would you turn someone away who is actually signing up to die for you, die for your country? Because when you, when you join the military, you know, you, you could die. There's, I mean, just like when you become a firefighter, a policeman, like you could die. So I think it's kind of asinine and silly to turn away someone who would, who's literally saying like, I, I'm going to, I want to sign up and fight for this country. No, no, we don't like who you are. I just think that's sad. And I love that you said, and thank you for being so honest. You said, um, you know, I don't know enough about that, but I want to. And I just think that's so important. So thank you for saying that too. For sure. Absolutely. I I would say it's, I think it was around the 1990s when they still had Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, it's just as we get more involved with topics, we understand that people are people and they can still help us accomplish things and everyone's different in their unique way. And that's why they dropped the Don't Ask, Don't Tell because I mean, who cares if you're straight or gay, you're still able to help us accomplish the mission. So it doesn't matter what orientation you are. Like I, I, I agree with that. I, I don't, I, I don't get why that's important in a professional environment. Right. Well, a lot of straight people, and um, from my experiences, they think that 
and this is not even in the military, this is everywhere. There's some straight people who think, oh, you're gay, you want me. And, and I remember telling one <laughs> ugly, I remember I told one straight guy, he was, I think he was um, hanging out with his, he was hanging out with friends. Oh, you know, you guys all want me. And I was just like, you are, <laughs> I said, you are disgusting and you are ugly and you probably have a two inch penis. No gay man in the world wants you. Like, stop. Like you could literally be showering next to 10 gay people and they wouldn't even look at you. So <laughs> bring it down a notch, bring it down a notch. Just so everyone listening, heterosexual men out there, not all the gay people want you. Um, but you know, in the military, you are taking showers with people. So I, I kind of, it's so weird. Like I kind of understand the, like you're in a shower and I don't think it's private showers. Am I correct? Um, I would say it's, it's, it's mixed. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. A handful of times it's been open bay showers, if you will, where there's no partitions, dividers. Okay. So there, there, you will run into that oh, sometimes. God. Is, do, am I too? Am I too old to join the military? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can always try the reserves again. Oh God, no! I'm too old now. I'm a wise, almost fifty. Um, <laughs> but have you ever been in a situation? And please be honest, and no one's offended or anything. But have you ever been in a situation in your nine years where there's, you know, that there's a gay person in your group that's working, and you're like, oh God, is he going to look at me when I'm taking a shower? Because I think everyone would think that. Um. I personally haven't. I I work with homosexual people, and I have in the past, and they're really just another person that's a part of the team. Like they make the same jokes. I mean, they make jokes about themselves, uh, and it, it, I I don't know. I've always maybe I've been fortunate to just come across really cool people, um, but I've I've never felt any any type of way at all. Um, I've always felt very comfortable with everyone I've worked with. Well, you're a very special human being. So I'm glad that I had you on the podcast. I personally would not last five minutes because in the military, I would be the one that says, whoever drops the soap first, we're going to be best <laughs> friends. And then I would be kicked out. <laughs> oh my God. I should just join the military. And I'm like, listen, don't even give me a gun. I'm just here to make everyone laugh. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be a comedian. <laughs> I'm just here. to Yeah. I'm going to live with you guys on base. I'm going to make jokes and I'm going to be silly the whole time. <laughs> that was great. Um, we're not done yet, though, because before I let you go, I need to find out why you have the nickname Captain Snoopy. Yeah, so I guess that all started probably when I was young. Uh, they always had the Snoopy comics in the newspaper and then the uh, the cartoons for the holidays. And I, I always I always liked Snoopy because I, I love dogs, uh, so I always gravitated gravitated towards Snoopy. And then, uh, when I passed my private pilot check ride, uh, one of my really, really good friends, he gave me a stuffed animal. Snoopy, uh, is like a congratulations for passing your check ride. Um, so that's where captain Snoopy came from because I, I always enjoyed Snoopy ever, ever since I was a little kid. And that's how you got the name Captain Snoopy. I was wondering, I was like, well, it's got to be the Snoopy the dog. If he comes out and says, yeah. oh, well, there was a Snoopy cat one day, I'm going to be like, oh, this show's over. <laughs> We're done. We're done. It's over. <laughs> now, um, do do people, do you have, do people that you work with call you that? Is that your nickname at no. work? No. No, it's just with no, friends? No, no nickname. Just, 
just something that I've always enjoyed. Uh, just and then I have uh, sustainable Snoopies uh, all over my closet because uh, because the name Captain Snoopy is there. Everyone gets me Snoopies as presents, and uh, so they're all like lined up in the closet. And then my dog, uh, he'll play with some of them sometimes. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. I I knew it was going to be a I knew it was going to be one of those ah stories and you did not fail me with that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, well listen, before I let you go cuz I've kept you a long time now, um let's play my game. Let's get grounded. I'm going to name off a bunch of airlines, you pick one and then you answer the question. It's pretty simple. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. Alaska, American Airlines, JetBlue, Southwest, Frontier, Delta, or United? American Airlines. American Airlines. There's something not special in the air. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How long does it take you to unpack from a trip when you get home? I would say the same day. And it depends on how long I've been gone, how many hours it takes. But I, when I come home from a trip, I really, really enjoy unpacking everything, throwing the dirty stuff in the laundry, starting the wash, uh, because then every, I don't have clutter. Like I don't have bags cluttered in the living room. I, I like things nice and clean. So even though I'm tired, I'll take the extra couple hours just to be done with it. So I don't have to worry about it later. See, and a lot of that is your, is your military task oriented brain. Because I bet you, if you came home and you just threw your bag there, you probably couldn't even chill out until you unpacked it. I couldn't. <laughs> I really couldn't. <laughs> I would just keep staring at it, and I would be thinking, oh, I have to do that tomorrow. Right. And if I, if I procrastinate, uh, then I'll never do it. So I have to ensure that I do things when they need done, or I'll, I'll never do them. Oh, yeah. No, I... Um, I usually, it, it just like you, it de- well, it depends for me. It depends on my mood. If I had worked like a red-eye flight and then had to commute back across the country and I get home at like one or two in the afternoon, I'm brain dead and I just can't yeah. even function till the next day. But like when I just came home from camping last night, um, I just unpacked right away. And like you said, I threw the dirty laundry in and then I started. And the, you, you actually, you feel accomplished. Yeah, I, I would say that because you saw how dirty it was. Like when I come back from the beach, I see how sandy everything is. So you vacuum it up, you wipe it down, and then uh, everything's like almost brand new in a sense. So I, I would say accomplish is a good word for that. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you 100%. Cody, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I had a great conversation with you. And again, I want to thank you for your service um, for not, for the nine years you have been fighting for our countries because freedom is not free. And it's because of people like you that we have this great country that can be, I hate to say greater, because <laughs> then that sounds like I'm about to put one of those red hats on. But, you know, <laughs> we're always striving to be better as human beings. And I'm, I want to thank you for being out there and um, defending our country. So thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, it was really good hearing different opinions. Uh, I think we had a productive conversation and we can hopefully share new opinions with people and maybe they can learn something. 
Wouldn't that be great? Oh, we didn't even give out your boy, Justin, a shout out. You know, he's going to listen to this episode and I don't mean pilot to pilot, <laughs> Justin. Justin. I mean, Justin, the airline pilot who uh, he's probably going to be like, you had Cody on before me. I'm going to be like, yeah, he's more interesting. Settle down. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Justin Zeller. Great guy. Great oh, guy. Justin, we love you. All right, Cody, you take care and thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.